Hebrews chapter number 11. I'll give you the verses here in just a moment. We know this to be the, the hall of faith, uh, the chapter of the heroes of faith, if we may put it that way, describe it. As we think about it, in many of these names that are found in this chapter, they're from the Old Testament. And boy, aren't there just a, a whole, uh, how to describe it, but boy, there's a whole uh, slew of saints and Hebrews, spiritual heroes, that are found in the Old Testament, aren't there? As you read the Bibles, we study the Bible, many in our Sunday school, whether it be a a story or a lesson come from the Old Testament. And frankly, that's why I like the Old Testament so much. We have so many different people in different walks of life, different stories, different lives that they present there in the Old Testament. Some of them, they demonstrate great faith in God, while there's others in the Old Testament that, that don't demonstrate that same faith in God. We, are, we see difficult people there. We see fo- folks who get along with everybody. They're all through the Old Testament. Some of these Old Testament folks, uh, especially some that are before us here in Hebrews 11, um, many of them have considerable number of pages of the Old Testament written about them. As we were to glance down through chapter 11, and, and certainly with Noah, Abraham, many of these folks have a lot of pages written about them in the Old Testament. If we were to go back there, we would find much written about them. Uh, it would detail their accomplishments, their failures, their faith in God, their entire lives for some of them. And yet, some on this list, uh, very uh, there's a few of them that are barely mentioned elsewhere. In other words, if we were to scour the pages of the Scripture, we wouldn't find that many references to them. We wouldn't find a ton of description of their lives, their failures, and their accomplishments. And so sometimes when we read through Hebrews chapter 11, we we wonder, well, who was that? And, well, I wonder more about their life and their story in different ways. Whenever I come to Hebrews chapter 11, there's, there's one here that always catches my eye. There's a person mentioned here, and when I read it, that, that boy, it, it, I, I want to know more about. I, I, I want to understand what their life was like. I, I want to know more details than really what the Bible gives us. And so it really challenges me uh, to learn more about them. In fact, uh, think about it. Yeah, there's many here that are mentioned a lot. There's many here that um, uh, that we read a lot about. But this one, I just wonder, as the Holy Spirit led Paul to write about them. I mean, I'd like to know more about their life. Say, so who is it? Well, look at verse 5 with me, if you will. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there he is. His name is Enoch, and we'll learn more about him today. We'll look at a couple passages. What jumps out at you first about his testimony? What's the very first thing that comes out? Well, for me, I see here, and you know what I see? It says this, he didn't see death. Now, this side of death, I'll tell you, be nice not to see death, amen? He didn't see death is the description we have in this passage of Enoch. Um, I, I often joke that he is one of a couple guys that messed up the statistic that one out of one dies. 
And he's translated. He's taken off. He didn't die. He didn't see death. And then I'm thankful for my good buddy Lazarus who died twice. So he just evens it all out, okay? And some others down through history or the Gospels. and So I joke, but here's the point of it. He didn't see death. Literally, the Bible uses a term that he was translated. In modern terminology, you realize what we would describe that out as? He was raptured. He was raptured. Now, I'll tell you, my friend, we would all say, man, I, that would be wonderful to not see death. I often jokingly say, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of the how I die. I'm not afraid of death. I know what is on the other side. I know where, to be absent from the body is to be present for the, with the Lord for a believer. So I don't fear death. And in many ways, death is gain, as Paul writes. So I don't fear death, but I do fear the how. Boy, we would like to be with, with Enoch and not see death. Now listen to me, friend. The reality is this. That may very well happen. The Bible says that you and I, as the bride of Christ, believers who are living today, the time is coming and is even nearer that Jesus Christ is going to return in the air to receive his bride. It is known as the rapture of the church. And so very much like Enoch, can I tell you, even so come Lord Jesus. I have no great desire to see death and the how of it, but I have a great desire to see Jesus Christ. And so as we see this first characteristic of Enoch, he didn't see death. It is plausible. It is possible that we too uh, will see Christ coming in the clouds, as Paul describes it, and not see death. But that's a great description, isn't it? Secondly, what's the second statement description we see about Enoch? Well, it was this. He had a testimony that he pleased God. Now, my friend, that is really the best testimony that any believer can have. That in life, in the years that you are given here on earth, you please God. In your living, in your actions, and in your words, and everything you do, you, you please God. Um, boy, as I read this, you know what I ask immediately? What, for my own gain and knowledge, I want to know how did he get that testimony? What was it, in what way did he live his life so that he had this testimony of pleasing God? I don't know about you, but I sure would like to personally have that testimony. I'd love that eulogy to be able to be given about me, to have that remembrance in the minds of people and from the lips of God, that as I have lived my life, that I have pleased Him. When my time on earth here is done, that it could be said that, well, He pleased God. Wouldn't you want that? I mean, it really does sound like, as you read it, it sounds like something that would be stated at a funeral service. Or a memorial service. Oh yeah, that Enoch man, he, he, he pleased God. He, has he lived, boy, in how he lived, he pleased God. And man, what a statement to be made. And it's kind of interesting because uh, the chapter in the Old Testament in which we learn more about Enoch actually kind of reads like an obituary page. And it reads like an obituary column in a local newspaper. Keep your spot here. We're going to come back to it. So, so don't lose it. Hebrews chapter 11. But turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter number 5. Notice the statement here and some things that we learned. Genesis chapter 5. And this is a, a chapter that's going to give us more detail. It's going to expand upon our knowledge of who Enoch was. How he pleased God. And why in a sense that God decided, well, you're not going to see death. He translated, he raptured him in that moment. Notice it. Chapter 5 of Genesis. We'll kind of go back and forth here. 
Genesis chapter 5, look at uh, verse number 5. Okay, in all the days that Adam, and that is Adam, of Adam and Eve, of the garden of Eden, the first man, in all the days, Genesis 5, 5, in all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Look at verse 8. In all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. In verse 11, in all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. Notice verse number 14. In all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Verse 17. In all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Verse 20. In all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of death. That's an obituary page, really. Yes, it, yes. here they lived a full life, a long life. There is a focus on that. And yet the reality is they all died. That's what it says. Now we come to verse 21. Look at it. Look at verse 21. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. Verse 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Now I'll tell you, you read verse 5, verse 8, verse 11, verse 14, verse 17, verse 20, and you say, he, and he died. He lived this many years, and he died. He lived this many years, and he died. And then we come to Enoch, and guess what? He breaks the pattern. He breaks the mold. There's no, and he died. What it says is several descriptions about him, but it says that he was not, and God took him. He breaks up the monotony, if we could put it that way. What else do we learn from this passage about the testimony of Enoch that God mentioned back even in Hebrews 11? Well, it's actually mentioned twice here. Did you catch it? See, he didn't see death. He had the testimony that he pleased God, and notice it. He walked with God. He walked with God. Notice it, as it says here twice, two times over. Enoch had it down, didn't he? We could put it this way. This way. One thing uh, that we see before us in his pleasing of God, he walked with God. Notice it, back in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. Hebrews 11 verse 6, this is what it said. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So what was necessary? Well, Enoch had to have faith in God. He had to trust in God. He believed God. He believed in God's word. He had a foundation of faith that then enabled him to walk with God. And together, now notice it, don't miss it this morning. As he had faith in God, he walked with God. And the faith coupled with his walk with God ended up what? Pleasing God. It pleased God. He was pleasing in God's sight. He, ple- he had a testimony of pleasing God. Notice it. Um, as we think about it, a person that walks with God should want more than anything to please God. If you and I walk with God, and we'll talk about what that means and so forth, as Enoch did, then I ought to have a heart that says, wow, I want to please God in everything. And faith is the foundational element for pleasing God. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is not a coincidence in Hebrews chapter 11 that verse 5 says, listen, Enoch had the testimony of pleasing God. In verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he must believe that God is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Verse 6. 
So understand the foundational aspect of faith. Now, let's tie it all together because I think there's also an important verse in the New Testament that plays into this, a concept. It's in Romans chapter 10, in verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So now we're building a a, a chain, if we could put it this way. We're we're building a foundation of faith, and we understand that that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And as you have faith, you desire to walk with God. And as you walk with God, the faith that uh, provides, that supports, that is the foundation for walking with God is also the means of pleasing God. So here is Enoch, and I, boy, I want to ask the question, how, how is it written of Enoch, boy, that he pleased God, that he walked with God? How, how does he have such a description written of his life? Well, it's the same way that you and I gain faith, is, as this verse puts it, through the Word of God. And listen, believer, Christian, if you're safe here this morning, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know you're going to heaven because you have trusted in Christ as your Savior. May I simply put it this way? As your hearing and studying of the Word of God goes, so goes your faith. If faith indeed comes by the hearing and hearing by the Word of God, then so goes your faith uh, correlated equal to the time you spend with the Word of God. If that's how faith comes, as the Bible says. And then, if I'm not in God's Word, and my faith is not growing, then guess what? For without faith, it is what? Impossible to please Him. So it's so crucial and foundational that Enoch, hey, Enoch said, well, I've got to have the Word of God so I can have the faith of God, so I can walk with God, so then in turn, I can please God. Follow it and don't, 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 don't let me lose you. In Enoch's life, he gives us a great example that it's crucial for you and I to be plugged into the Word of God day after day after day after day. Some say, okay, pastor, I already see a problem here. <laughs> Enoch didn't have the Bible in his day. He didn't study the Bible every day, and so we don't have to study it today. We don't need it every day, and it's really optional for a believer to to read God's Word, to come to church, to listen to it preached and taught. Um, It's there when I need it. It's there when I want to use it. Well, let me tell you that you can say it's optional, but it's only optional for a believer who doesn't want to experience victorious living. That's when the Word of God is optional. You say, yeah, I don't care about living victorious. I want to live in defeat. I want to be defeated by sin in the world and my own fleshly desires. Great. If that's you, then you're right. Reading God's Word is optional. Hey, it's only optional for the believer that doesn't really want to know God. Because the way that you get to know God isn't simply through creation. It isn't on your own figment of your imagination. My friend, the way that you and I get to know God is through the Word of God. So, yeah, it's optional if you don't want to know your God. If you don't want to draw closer to Him, walk with Him. See, it's only optional for the believer that doesn't want to know what God says about how to live this life that He bought for us. Can I say it this way? If, you, if today's, I don't really need to read God's Word every day. I don't need to come to church and, and, and listen to preaching. Can I tell you, that's hogwash. Well, Enoch, you know, Enoch didn't have the Word of God. and As far as we know, he didn't have churches or anything. Hey, that's hogwash. Well, it's like saying this. Well, 200 years ago, 
They didn't have cars. So I don't see the point in using a car today. It was good and it was fine for my great, great, great pappy. So it's good enough for me just to walk around and everything. You know, if that's your attitude, that's wonderful. Before you leave, if you'd leave your keys right down here, I would really enjoy driving your car this week. You walk everywhere. You go, hey, it was good enough 200 years ago for your grandpappy or great, great, great grandpappy. You leave your keys here. I'll take care of your car for you. I promise it. I'll take care of it. I don't mind using a modern tool that helps me out tremendously. Can I tell you right now, I am thankful that we have a copy of the word of God. That would be dumb for me to say, no, you know what? Hey, it was good enough for my great, 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 great grandfather. And so he didn't need a car. I don't need a car. Well, that's really dumb, isn't it? I mean, it really is. To walk, to say, I can just walk everywhere. We don't, we shouldn't use a car. I mean, that's just really dumb. And here is the word of God that you and I are encouraged and challenged to do what? Study the word of God. Study to show yourself. Hide God's word in your heart. That I might not sin against thee, wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word, thy law. I mean, this is, God's word is crucial. Okay, so you say, ah, Pastor Henry, I, um, I don't know about, can I tell you this? If Enoch had God's word, I guarantee you he would have been in it every day. So what did he have? How did he have uh, the Word of God, maybe not in written form like we do in the Bible, <laughs> how did he get the Word of God in his time? It's an interesting question in much of the Old Testament, but even before the law like this was written, how did he, how did he have it? Well, certainly it's possible that God spoke to him like God spoke to Samuel and uh, spoke to Abraham at different times. He could have done it through an angel. He could have done it through a dream, a vision, or other means that God used before the canon of Scriptures were produced and given to us. Those things are all possibilities. And I certainly wouldn't argue against them that God spoke and gave revelation to Enoch through an angel, whatever the case may be. But there is one thing that I know for certain how Enoch knew the Word of God. The Scriptures point it out. They explain it to you and I clearly, even in this passage. You say, how is that? Let me ask you this. Who was the first person that we know of in the Scriptures to walk with God? Adam. Now, Adam was seven generations ahead of Enoch. Seven generations, Enoch came after Adam. Now, for you and I, that'd be like, whoa, that's a lot. Many of us don't even know the names of our relatives seven generations ago, right? And uh, many of you maybe researched it, you found it out, you, you've looked into it. But most of us have no clue who it was, don't know a name or anything. Seven generations removed. Well, not so in the Scriptures, right? You realize that Adam, the first man to walk with God, Spent over 300 years here on earth with Enoch. Over 300 years. Even from this passage and others, we come to understand that Adam was around 600 years old when Enoch was born. And Adam lived until he was 930. So listen to me, Christian. Understand that when Enoch came along and, and he was of age, and maybe at the age of 8, at 10, so that still leaves him over 300 years to talk with Adam. And he... You can just imagine, as with Enoch, as with others mentioned in this passage, between Adam and Enoch, Adam, what was it like to walk with God in the garden? What did you guys talk about? What was it that he shared with you? What kind of things did he, he tell you about his plan for mankind? And t- tell me about creation again. 
Tell me again how, how Eve came along and, and how God created Eve for you, Adam. Just share with me everything. Could you just imagine what it would have been like to talk with Adam to find out what walking like with God was like? Adam, you saw God. You, he, I mean, you walked with him in the Garden of Eden. What did he say? What did he sound like? What was it that he talked about? Even after you sinned, Adam, and God spoke to you and you, you faced judgment, what did God say? What was it that he shared? Can I, can, I, can I just interject here? We would be naive to think that for 250 plus years, Enoch wasn't asking questions. How do I walk with God, Adam? Why does God let us stay here? Why didn't he just kill us because you guys sinned and now we're all sinners? Why, 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 has he, why did he promise in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Speaking of the coming of Jesus Christ. Adam, why? Why does God do that? What did God teach? What did God say? Could you just imagine for 300 years what that schoolroom was like? Hearing the word of God through Adam. Through a teacher. You can imagine, I, I can only imagine 900 years later, 700, 800 years later, after the Garden of Eden, as Enoch approaches and Adam says, Adam, what, what was it like? I would think even to that day that there was probably some tears that came to Adam's eye. Because he realized what he had given up in the Garden of Eden, in the close relationship that he had with God Almighty. As he began to expound and teach and help Enoch know the Word of God, the teachings of God, Enoch became versed in who God was. He knew God through the Word of God that Adam shared. Now, I don't know the full gamut. I don't know all that he understood and, and took from it. But I do know this. I guarantee you that he heard a lot of the word of God from Adam, and in turn, it produced what in his life? Well, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So Enoch grew in his faith in God and trust in God, and, and that produced in a walk with God that enabled him then to be a believer that pleased God. His testimony was that he pleased God. Not sometimes, not part of the time, but he pleased God. That was the testimony of his life. Now, I said, I, I don't know what was the extent of the things Enoch learned, but here's what I do know. I do know that he knew a whole lot. You say, how do you know that? In fact, he knew things that were to come. How is that possible? Hold your spot here as we're holding in Hebrews 11. Find the last book of the Bible, Revelation, then take a left, and let's find the little book known as Jude. Okay, it's just one chapter. And so sometimes it's hard to find, but it's here in, <coughs> excuse me, in between third John and Revelation is the book of Jude. Written, obviously, thousands of years later, Jude. <coughs> as some information would tell us, the brother James and so forth, written after the life of Christ, Jude. Notice with me, if you will, verse 14, Jude, verse 14. And, what's that next word? Enoch. Here we have Enoch now. Whoa, 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 Jude is writing about Enoch? Yeah, look, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, like I told you, prophesied of these. 
Whoa, he gave a prophecy. What did he say? Behold, the Lord cometh when ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We have Enoch here. Jews writing about him after Christ has already lived. And Jews writing about Enoch back here. And that he prophesied. And that he prophesied what? He prophesied about the very second coming of Jesus Christ. When Christ, after we are raptured, we're in heaven, marriage supper of the Lamb. And then the time comes for Christ to return to earth. When, as described here, 10,000 of his saints to bring forth judgment on the world and the ungodly. Now, let's get, let's think about this for a moment. Let's wrap our minds around this. Here's a guy, seven generations removed from the beginning of the world as we know it, is prophesying about something that's going to be at the end of the world. How in the world does, as we like to sometimes think, a caveman or somebody back then that doesn't know, how in the world does he have a prophecy about the second coming of Jesus Christ? No pun intended, how in the world does he know? How? Because he has the word of God. See, we're not always given all the things that God said and shared with the saints of old. But every once in a while, as we study the scriptures, we catch glimpses that, wow, they actually knew a lot more than sometimes we give them credit for. Boy, here's Enoch. Enoch is prophesied, according to Jude, hey, the Lord... <laughs> who hasn't even been born yet, who many of the prophecies in Isaiah haven't even been given yet, the Lord is going to return with ten thousands of his saints. Whoa! Enoch knew that? Do you have a feeling that just maybe God shared that with Adam? And then Adam shared it with Enoch? Or God gave it to Enoch another way, an angel, whatever the case is? Suffice it to say, what did Enoch have? Enoch had the word of God. And that word, in turn, produced faith in his life. And as he had faith in his life, then it then allowed him to walk with God and produce a testimony of pleasing God. Follow it, Christian, because the same is true for you and I today. If we want to end up here, all right, today, October 2018, before Jesus Christ returns as a believer, I want to live a life that pleases him. Can I tell you where it starts? It starts with faith and faith that is found in the word of God. And as that faith is encouraged and developed in my life, then I walk with God. And as I walk with God, then I find myself being able to please Him through my faith. We'll develop it and understand it a little bit more. See, it, it proves that He knew the Word of God. He had the Word of God. He walked with God. And He had faith in God. And therefore, He pleased God. Okay, Pastor, I get it. I see the connection. So, so what are we to conclude from it? What are some critical conclusions that now you and I can learn from this about Enoch, about how you and I can walk closely with God? Let me just give you four statements that we can learn from the life of Enoch. Number one is this. Faith is and always will be the building block of my relationship with God. Faith is and always will be the building block for my relationship with God. Life starts and ends with faith. The spiritual life does. I believe that God is, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and I trust what God says in His Word. It's true and right. 
And I trust him to do just as he says he will. You see, from the moment my relationship with God was established at that moment of salvation, my relationship with him ebbs and flows based upon my faith. Can I put it this way? And this is more of a concise, easier way to remember. Strong faith equals strong relationship. Weak faith equals a weak relationship. If I'm not having faith in God, if I'm not exercising faith and allowing my faith to grow, the reality is that my faith will be weak. It will not be strong as it needs to be. Strong faith, strong relationship. Weak faith, weak relationship. It's not about feelings. It's not about what has he done for me lately. It's not about my performance. It's all about faith. The greater my faith on a daily basis, the closer I am to him, the more I walk with him. So if I have greater faith in God, can I tell you, I'm going to stay close to God. If I truly believe that God is, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, my friend, I will not stray far from God. I'll stay close to him. So as my faith is increased, boy, that causes me to walk with God that much more. Now let's step back a second and let's ask ourselves this question. How is your faith this morning? How strong is your faith? Are you trusting him with everything and in everything? Are you trusting with your life, your time, your energy, your future, your finances, your eternity? Are you trusting And that faith? Where is its origin? Where is its source? Well, we just understood that it's in the Word of God. So, number two, the Word of God is the boosting injection of faith that every believer needs regularly. It's crucial. We, we've detailed it to some degree already. But if I'm going to grow in faith, then I need the Word of God where it is faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so my faith is built through my interaction with the Word of God. You have to have it, Christian. Your faith is anemic without the Word of God infiltrating your thinking and doing. It is learning it. It's believing it as you believe in God who gave it to us. It's His Word. If you want your faith to grow, as we all should, because it means that we get to walk that much closer to God we can please Him, then you need to sit under the preaching of the Word of God. You need to study it and uh, read it regularly. Let me put it this way, okay? Let me challenge you. If this is true, as the Bible says it is, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and I want to grow in faith, and I, I want to please God, and I want to walk with God, and I realize that, wait, this, my faith goes, so goes my relationship with God, then my desire ought to be what? Get in God's Word. Get it, get glean it, come on, take it in, grow in God's Word, your exposure to it, your knowledge of it, your understanding of it, your studying of it, grow in that, so your faith in turns grows, your faith in turns grows, and then what happens? You get to walk with God. And as you walk with God, faith produces in you a life that is what? Pleasing to God. So can I challenge you this morning? You see, I would challenge you, if you just hear preaching one time a week, I would challenge you to start attending church services twice a week. If you attend twice, I, I would encourage you and challenge you to start attending three times. If you say, Pastor, I, I attend three times, that's great for you, but you haven't arrived spiritually yet. None of us have. 
So you know what I challenge you to do? Start listening to more preaching on your phone, in your car, on the internet. Listen to the preaching of God's Word. Study it. You say, but pastor, can't I get too much preaching? Won't I get burned out listening to all those messages and all those sermons? Let me ask you this. Can you have too much faith in God? Can you have too much faith in God? Hey, hey, put it this way. Can you get too close to God? Does God ever say to a, question, uh, a Christian, hey, 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 can you back off a little bit? I need some me time. Can you just leave me alone? Stop praying. Stop reading my Bible. You know, just, you know, handling this whole world universe thing, it gets a little heavy sometimes. Can you just leave me alone for a day? Can you just give me a break? And I tell you, my friend, your God does not need a break from you. And you need your God. You need to be in His Word, studying it and listening to it, hearing it preached and taught. Listen, if my faith grows relatively to my understanding, my gaining of God's Word, you and I should all be about God's Word. It should be what we yearn for, we desire, we want, we're in daily, so that our faith grows in God. Your need for daily faith demands, it screams for each one of us to be in God's Word through reading it, studying it, learning it, hearing it taught and preached. You and I need the regular injection of the Word of God to boost our faith, to increase it. So is your Bible reading anemic this this morning? This past week, how many times did you open up the Word of God did you really delve into it and say, okay, God, I need faith today. I need an infusion. and I need you to build and strengthen my faith today. So, boy, I'm going to get into your word and study it. I'm looking forward to church because, boy, I need my faith increased. I need it to be built up. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I need to trust God more in this situation. Great! Get in God's word. I got some bad news over here, and I just, I'm having a hard time trusting in God. I understand. Get in God's Word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Can I tell you, friend, do you go days or weeks without reading the Bible? If so, it is likely showing up in this next conclusion that we can make from the life of Enoch. And how you and I can walk with God. Number three, notice it. As the Word of God produces and strengthens my faith, I find myself walking with God by communing and fellowshipping with Him often. This is the genuine walk. The Christian walk. The life that God has called us to. It's walking and talking with God. It's a real relationship. So as I'm in God's Word and it builds my faith, then that in turn moves me and helps me to commune and fellowship with God. You know, it, it has been said and it is so true that you can know about somebody but not know that somebody. And I fear there's many Christians who know God or know about God, excuse me, but don't really know God that well. We're not learning of Him as we ought to in His Word. We don't know Him intimately. You know, I believe Paul in the New Testament, he walked with God. He communed and fellowship with God. And that's why Paul said this, I know in whom I have believed. That's not what he said. 
Paul didn't say, I know in whom I have believed. What did Paul say? I know whom I have believed. See, if he was just talking about, hey, I I know who is my Savior. I I know who, who brings salvation. He would have just simply said, I know in whom I have believed. No, no, no. He knows, and he meant to say, I know whom I have believed. Literally, Paul knew God. The Hebrews chapter 11 passage described the walk that Enoch had, that he was an example of. It involves, did you catch it? Verse 6, it involves a person diligently seeking after him. That's who God is a rewarder of. That is walking closely with God. If we take Enoch, it says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Enoch, whoo, he, he knew God. Enoch, he walked with God. And boy, because of it, Enoch pleased God. So I can guarantee you that as verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That Enoch sought after God. He talked to Adam. Tell, tell me more about God. I, I, I just want to know more. Tell, tell me all that God told you and let me hear about it. Let me know about it. And if Enoch had had God's word in his dime... My friend, he would have searched the pages of the Scripture daily. He would have been in God's Word. Why? Because walking with God, as we are in God's Word, it produces fellowship and communion with our God. Among our kids, we have a three-year-old, and he is daddy's little boy. I don't know all that goes into it, but boy, Caden has really become daddy's little boy. There is a connection there. Uh, there is a closeness that I enjoy with him that I enjoy with the other kids, my other children too. But as a three-year-old, it's in a different way. See, Caden likes to be with me. Just the other day, I was working out in the garage. He goes, Dad, where are you going? I said, I'm going to work in the garage. He goes, I want to work with you. So you know what that means. It's more babysitting than the work that I wanted to get accomplished. But regardless... Come on out, son. And he's always wanting to work with me. He's always wanting to go with me in the morning. He wants to come to church and go to school. And he he wants to be around me. If he comes to church during the week, and boy, he's loud. He's a loud one. I don't know where he gets that from. But uh, uh, you can hear him say, Dad, Dad, where are you at? He's looking for me. He's trying to find me down the hall. Dad, Dad, where are you at? Then uh, at the end of the day, when I get home, it's it's always a fun adventure. And I open the door, and this is why I hear, Dad, Dad, is that you? I, he's like, he just wants to know, is that you? And, and then sometimes it's, it's rewarded, and he hears the door open from somewhere in the far distance of the house. I hear, Dad, and he just starts running towards me. He'll come around the corner, his arms are wide open, and boy, he just wants to lay a good four-year-old hug on Daddy. Now, I'll tell you right now, listen to me, my friend. Don't you think for a moment, That if you and I really knew God as we ought, we're in God's word and we have faith in God. Don't you think daily we ought to be looking for God that way? I mean, if we really get it, if we really understand what we have in salvation and that who God is and that, wow, those who diligently seek him, he rewards them. He blesses with them. Boy, I'll tell you, I would think that you and I would fight to spend time with God. 
we would enter our prayer closet and our times of reading God's Word. Man, this is so wonderful. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful to get time with you today. Man, boy, do I need it. I just want to be with you, spend time with you. I don't want anything to get in my way, and I just want to be with you. I'll tell you, my friend, I think there's something for you and I to learn in the excitement and the desire that a four-year-old has for his daddy. That you and I as believers ought to share, even to a greater degree, the desire to walk, commune, and fellowship with our God. And we do it through His Word. We do it through prayer. We do it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. We do it through entering the very presence of God through prayer to worship Him for who He is. Do you rejoice when you get to spend time with God? Do you rejoice when you find Him? When you say, man, I've been looking for my devotions this morning, this evening. I've been looking forward to church. And, and now, I, I, man, I get to spend time in the presence of God. I get to go and talk and commune and fellowship with Him. Do you look forward to that, Christian? Because if we don't, then something's wrong back here. Either we're not in the Word of God and it's not producing our faith, and then our walk with Him is anemic. We're in, we don't look forward to it. It isn't desirous. We can go a day, a couple days, a week without being in God's Word, praying and talking with God. And my friend, that's not the type of life that pleases God. Enoch gives us a great example. The walk that faith the walk of faith, we might put it that way, that's rooted in the Word of God and that that walk that it produces, it has a wonderful consequence. And last but not least, we're done. Number four, my Word of God rooted in faith-infused walk with God then enables me to be a believer or a Christian that pleases God. So as I'm rooted on the Word of God, as my walk with God is faith-infused, because of my faith, I have such a heart, it's such a desire to spend time with Him. I look forward to it. I just want to be with my God. I want to commune and fellowship with Him. And as that work is produced, then it enables me to be a Christian that pleases God. It's the highest testimony that can be said about any of us. He or she pleases God. I want you to see this morning that it's explained in scriptures that it's not through keeping the law. It's not through doing great or mighty works or achieving some level of success in certain ministries. Those things are good. They will happen, but they are not the fundamentals or the fundamental means of pleasing God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is the rudimentary foundation for pleasing God. A faith that's only found in and grown through the Word of God. A faith that finds its expression in consistent and enjoyed fellowship, communion with God, a walk with God. It's a faith that has as its ultimate goal to do what pleases God. But it's a faith that moves us to do that which pleases Him the most. Let me give you an example. Okay, Just about a month ago, I, I endured a birthday. Okay, notice I didn't say celebrate it because the, the more the number, the higher the number gets, the less celebration there is. Amen. And, uh, uh so I, and my, my children were very kind to me and, and Erica too. And, and one of the things, one of my children, uh, for that gave me uh, a card and they put a little, they put a few dollars in it as a gift, you know, buy yourself a Dr. Pepper or whatever the case may be. And, and, uh, very kind. And the card was beautiful. And, and I'll tell you, I enjoy the card. I, even the money, in fact, 
I would say it this way, though. The gift of the money probably meant more to the money meant more to them than it meant to me. I, I enjoy the card. I enjoy the money and I'm thankful for them giving it to me. But but really, can I tell you what delights me more than anything as a father is that my child would take the time to think about me on my birthday that they would take the time to, to do something for me and make a card and, and they would sacrifice and surrender something for me. And, and yeah, a few dollars, what does that mean to an adult? Well, not a ton of things, but I'll tell you, this is what it means to me. The card, the money, that's all great and fine, but I'll tell you, what moves me and delights me more than anything is the heart behind it. The heart of love that moved them to say, wow, I care enough. I love my father and I want to give them that. I want to, I want to, can I tell you, the card and the money did not please me as much as their heart behind it pleased me. I delighted in that. Now listen, friend, your obedience and my obedience to God is good. It's right. It's necessary. But I'll tell you, you know what pleases God as much as anything, what is foundational? It's the faith that we have in God that moves us to obedience. So as I live for him and I serve him, God looks and says, that's wonderful. Because those things are good for you. If you and I obey, it's good for us. But I'll, I'll tell you this. He looks and he sees the faith in our hearts. And that pleases God. And today I want to have a testimony of pleasing God. Yeah, I want to be obedient to his word. I want to live according to the precepts and the things laid out. But I'll tell you, my friend, I want there to be the heart of faith behind it. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. See, it pictures minutely how God values our faith. How your faith pleases Him. Can I put it this way succinctly? Your obedience, my obedience, is good and right. But it is the faith that moves you to obedience that really is the foundation for pleasing God. See, now notice, notice this. If I were to command or instruct my children to do something, they could obey with the wrong heart, can't they? Oh, sure they can. They, they can do that. They, they, in fact, you can have a child who doesn't love you but still will do what you ask because they could fear other things. It, it can happen. See, you and I are to obey God, and certainly that is important, obedience to God. But can I tell you what is crucial to it is the faith behind it. The faith that motivates it. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Would you get it this morning? Would you understand that you and I as a Christian, we, we ought to have the end goal. I'm going to please God. I want to please Him in everything. And if that is the case, if I want to please God, then it starts all the way back here saying, okay, if I'm going to please God, I better be in the Word of God. I better take it and understand it and take it to heart. And as I'm in the Word of God, it produces and strengthens my faith. And my faith then moves me to walk with God through daily fellowship and communion with Him and prayer and Bible reading and just time spent in His presence. And as I walk with God and that faith is produced and strengthened in my life, then I become a Christian that pleases God. Hey, believer, do you want to please God this morning? You want to have it written of you like it was written of Enoch. He had a testimony of pleasing God. This is how it happens. This is the life that you and I are called to live. May I put it this way? The title of the message, Take a Walk with God. How's your walk this week? How was it this week? How's your faith? How's your Bible reading? Where are you at, Christian, and where do you need to go?